Choose life. Choose a job. Choose a career. Choose a family. Choose a fucking big television. Choose washing machines, cars, compact displays and electrical tin openers. Choose good health, low cholesterol and dental insurance. Choose fixed interest mortgage repayments. Choose a starter home. Choose your friends. Choose leisure wear and matching luggage. Choose a three-piece suite on higher purchase and a range of fucking fabrics. Choose DIY and wondering who the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting on that couch watching mind-numbing, spirit-crushing game shows, stuffing fucking junk food into your mouth. Choose rotting away at the end of it all, pissing your last in a miserable home, nothing more than an embarrassment to the selfish, fucked up brats that you've spawned to replace yourselves. Choose your future, choose life. But why would I want to do a thing like that? I chose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got head on? Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Thousand and One by One, where each week we take a film out of the book, a thousand and one movies you must see before you die. Discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. And my name is Ian Woodington. And before we get to talking about the 25th anniversary of train spotting, we'll give you some banter. We'll give you some recommends and then we'll hop in. Before we do that, I got a shout out. We have a new Patreon. Very excited about this. His name is Jorge Campos. He is a great guy. Gives me feedback on the show. Uh, uh, and I'm just so happy to have another person supporting the show. It's a great thing. Hi, Jorge. You're welcome. All- Thank you for supporting the show man you're all wonderful people and we love you um cool okay so banter i gotta start off because i don't think this was a recommend of yours but at some point in the last months or whatever uh you had mentioned we we mentioned uh, is it jim cummings who did uh thunder road thunder road and uh the wolf, uh, wolf of snow, snow hollow, hollow which, which is we I, watched it's oh you did see we it watched yeah about a week and uh, change ago it's fun and different and... it is so here's the thing it is by no means a bad movie and it, it is a movie I would I would tell people to watch. It's not it's not my recommend, um, but Melissa and I are watching this movie, and she wanted she goes, I want to watch something scary, not necessarily like a horror movie, but I want to watch something scary. So we watch some trailers, and I show her this one, and she's like, "Oh, that sounds that looks interesting, and it's it's pretty short too. It's not a very long movie. Oh God, it's yeah, eighty something. Yeah, minutes. yeah. I don't even think it cracks ninety. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're we're watching it, and it is a you know it's like a darkly funny movie right it's there's a lot of dark humor kind of underneath this movie I, well i think jim cummings losing his shit like never gets old in no, the course of that 80 minutes but there's it it just felt like not stylistically that's not what i'm trying to say but emotionally i didn't know how to feel throughout a lot of the movie there's a scene where I mean, there's there's a wolf wreaking havoc in snow hollow you know or so it would seem and I don't want to give too much away because it's a fairly new movie and it's very much like this is an under the radar kind of movie. So um, but there's a scene where basically there's there's uh, a woman and her child um, 
and I, this is not spoiler alert, but they they are they succumb to the wolf, and we were at the the funeral for the mom, and then there's this there's this revelation with the camera turned that there's a smaller coffin there, and that the child died as well. And I I believe that the revelation of the coffin was meant to be like a punchline. But it it's so but like. I didn't, I didn't take it that way. And know Melissa didn't take it that way. And I'm not sure if we're supposed to take it that way. And there are moments, unlike in Thunder Road, where I was laughing, I think, where we're supposed to laugh. I definitely felt more like, oh, no, is this actually, am I supposed to, am I supposed to laugh at this moment? Because I was also like, because there, there were times where I was like, this is fucked up. I, and I, and you know me, like, I like dark humor. I'm a dark humor fan. I just didn't know. And not that I, I didn't feel guilty. Of, like It wasn't like I, I I was like being a prude about it, but I just didn't, I, I honestly didn't know, like, is this like a joke at times? Not a bad movie, but I was like just kind of befuddled at times at, at what I was supposed to be feeling. Well, we're going to be dealing with dead children quite a bit in this episode yes, now that yes. you've brought this up. And, but I think, that's a, I think it's a moment that is supposed to elicit that nervous that nervous laugh out of you. That, sure. And then you catch yourself having laughed and then you go, oh shit. It's one of the, I think it is supposed to be a layered moment. I don't know if the movie gives you enough time to deal with that moment. And There's that, a lot of yeah. strange avant-garde sort of art house cutting that happens in the film. You, it almost feels like there are scenes that are pieces of scenes yeah. that were, that were chopped up and to, and to give it more of that sort of art house flavor, which I, that was the one thing that I was really in two minds about in the movie. It's like, all right, do you want to be this dark horror comedy or do you want to be art house movie? And it's totally fine to be both, I yeah. guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't have much to say about it. I definitely would recommend people watch. I think it's, I think it's good. And especially knowing like, this is like, this is, this is an indie film, yeah. writer, director, producer, actor, probably more than that. Um, So all, all for it, all for Jim Cummings. How fucking good is that? opening title sequence though had like how beautifully shot is yeah that sort of like the colorado rocky I, it was funny of... I, I i i think that that was the movie recently because it's been in a lot of movies but i said god damn it's like all you gotta have now is a drone and like you can <laughs> you, do you know what i mean though it's like you can film the most beautiful yeah, yeah, thing yeah. and I, I i drive you know i drive up to, to bellingham from where i live to, to teach and there's and that part of the freeway past burlington is so gorgeous it's and my I'm, favorite and it's like I just, um, I, in my mind, I, I kind of see the floating camera above my head going, God, this probably is gore. And like, it snowed recently and it's very foggy and the clouds will be low enough that they're kind of in the, in the little mountains. I'm like, God, this is, ah, it's just beautiful. And I, I, what is, what is my, what is this fucking, um, drone shot look like right now in my mind? Which is, I, I've had a, a I've had a movie in mind for years where that is like the closing shot of the movie, sort of like a la end of five easy pieces with that particular stretch of of i5 yeah ah beautiful gorgeous uh so what do you what have you been watching well you know i've been on on two very specific journeys yes uh, i do know this so i'll i'll deal with the one first so that we can talk about the actual good one oh great afterwards. okay so i finished my fast <laughs> and furious journey yes finishing up with fast the fast eight mm -hmm. aka the fate, fate of yes. the furious yes uh fuck me running what i what is that movie Oh, it's, it's nuts! I, it's I, so bad that it is actually it is actually kind of good. Yeah, I did actually find myself enjoying Eight way more than that movie should be enjoyed. No, oh, it's 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 this idea of just kind of an, an embracing the absurdity and like 
I think, like, you know, I can be, I, I definitely know I can be a prude about movies. And I mean, I, I can sit here and, and say that I still have not seen any of the Transformers and I have no interest in doing that. But I, I wanted to, like, I wanted to push back against Fast and the, the, the Fast and the Furious franchise. Um, after the first three, I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really want to do it. And then when, after Fast Five came out, I kept hearing about how entertaining it was. Like nobody really, I don't know if anybody used the word good, but entertaining was used. Yeah, and I yeah, yeah. still held it off and there was a sixth one. And before Fate of the Furious, I finally was like, okay, Melissa, let's just watch these. Let's, let, we'll go back and we'll kind of relive the first few. And then we, we went through and, and I, I, yeah, good, bad, whatever. I, I don't know if those are the right descriptors, but entertaining yeah. I, I, you know, adrenaline pumping, just like fucking pure visual, like ecstasy is yeah. basically what it is. And, w- and what's nice is that Charlize is in this one and she knows what, even if nobody else does, she knows what movie she's making. Oh, and yeah. That just makes it so much better. It's almost like she's in on the joke. Yeah. Whereas the rest of them should be and aren't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, eight was actually, I, I would put eights if I were to rank them. Eight would come somewhere near the top. I think oh, man. just because it it is long. Fuck, is it long? But it's, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, I I don't know one one five and eight or a, I mean you know and, and I don't know what the order is either. But I I know there's a bit of hatred or maybe not hatred, but there's a, there's a lackluster um, sort of reaction towards four. But I find myself leaning towards four quite a bit. I like the I liked the 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 bridge that happens in that one where Dom and uh, the Paul Walker character are reunited. Yeah, but it's, I like. I liked it. It's like super tense at first because of the way that one ended. I really like. That's the one too where they have to like navigate those underground tunnels, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. I. I but anyway, the the good journey that I went on. Yes. I I finished the before trilogy, mm. and I think I texted you. You did. I was, dude. I was fucked up. I was like genuinely fucked up towards the point where I think Liz was a little bit concerned. <laughs> like that, the end of that movie fucking leveled me. And I just, I, I don't care. I'll admit it on my, I don't give a shit. I was in tears for like 15, 20 minutes. Like I could not stop. It was the most overwhelming experience that I've had watching a movie since, I, I don't know, Schindler's List. Yeah. Maybe it was, it's, devastating yeah it's really devastating the the level of of integrity that is carried throughout those three films and the journey that you're on with this couple and the the point where i because we did them in such rapid succession i was so emotionally invested in these two people and wanting this thing to work and when it comes to the brink of not yeah and julie delphi's character is just being a bit fucking nuts at the end of that movie I mean, and let's—I'm not trying to pick sides. I mean, Ethan Hawke says some shitty things too, but I mean, for I'm, sure. I'm like—I'm yeah. rooting for. Like, come on, you can't be this irrational. You can't be this unreasonable. You—he is trying. He is doing his best. Well, and it's—it's it's tough though because you know you you hear what she says and she's you know the it, it, that's with the great that's the great thing about that that argument is that you know you really can see both sides and it's like is it is it quote unquote fair for her to bring up all this stuff? Like the way, you know, her having to, to watch the kids while he was touring and stuff and like how tough that was. And, and it's like, yeah, it, that must've sucked. I mean, is it, is it cool to bring it up years later? I don't know. I mean, if, if it's something that you've been harboring and then you need to get it off your chest and that's, that's what's, that's what I find interesting. Interesting is this, 
it's this moment where it's like the parent, you know, the floodgates have been opened, and now we're just gonna let this shit come yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got decades worth of bullshit to deal with. Yeah, and it's 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 an avalanche. It's overwhelming. And yeah. it's beautiful. And Linklater has finally dethroned the the original three Born movies for me as the greatest trilogy of all time. It's now the Before trilogy is the greatest trilogy ever made. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't oh, mean to speak I, in hyperbole, no, but it I, just I, fucking is. Well, if it's if it's if it's hyperbolic, then I'm on board too yeah. because I I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. There it is, man. Yeah. I mean, before midnight, I can't wait to pick up that Criterion and do them again as soon as possible. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was that was a good blind buy on my part. Um, uh, so I only have one other piece of of movie banter, and and I'm wondering when the last time you watch i don't know if you've rewatched it but world war z i just saw it the once yeah i don't know like a year or so maybe two years after it came out because i mean it went through development hell and I, you remember all that shit where like it was gonna come out and then they pulled it so that they could completely reshoot the ending for the cost of another movie yeah pretty much yeah i you know i i because I, I knew that I was I had a bunch of stuff that I was wanting to watch and do throughout the week. And I, I basically said, Melissa, pick whatever you want. And she goes, I, you know, I want to watch World War Z. And I, I was so she said that. And I was I, 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 I felt like the wind had been taken out of my sails. I was like, yeah, like ah, your heart just sunk. Right. Man, I don't want to watch this because I <laughs> what I really wanted to watch is is my recommend. Yeah, yeah. But but we we pushed it off a day and that, that was fine, obviously. But like World War Z is good. World War Z is a good movie. I, I found it compelling and I think it, I think it's good in the way that like I am legend was good at the time but then like it's an, it's again the last half hour kind of falls apart see I found myself more compelled by the last part of really? it this time where he's he's at the who over yeah, somewhere yeah. in or no, Wales yeah and um and like I I totally dug where it built to I it's it's one of those things where I try to think about the how likely is it that he like he lands the plane once and it's like they're able to get off again and then they they're able to get out of Jerusalem like again on a different plane it's a it's a bit far fetched but also that I means the circumstances of the movie we're talking about fucking zombies so yeah, yeah. so if you you know you go along for the ride when he gets to who I was I was on board yeah. Yeah. well I also I remember like the build up to it as well I worked with a guy who fucking loved the book and was yeah. just vehemently against the idea of the movie because he's like the the book is very much it's like a uh, it's like an oral history almost yeah like it an feels more like a guide yeah, yeah yeah and so he's like no this should be a miniseries where like each episode is you know kind of episodic where it's like you a new set of circumstances every episode as this character moves through the world and the circumstance and I don't yeah. know. And who knows if the sequel is ever going to happen. They I keep know. talking it's, about I, like trying to get David Fincher to do it and it just, just leave it. Just yeah. please just drop it. Yeah, I agree. I just let it, let it be, let it be. Um, but anyway, so I rewatched that and I thought it was good. Um, but if, do you, do you have anything else before recommends? No, I will say that Brad Pitt is probably, he commits to that movie though. Oh he yeah. Is, he's good, really good in it. Oh yeah. No, he, like, he's, he's very so good much better than the movie deserves. Uh, yeah, well, I also maybe that's because he helped produce it. I don't know. There's, there is he, that. Maybe he knew that he had some shit behind it. Like yeah, yeah. this better be good. Um, uh, so my recommend this week, um, and I, I know I mentioned to you that I'd or pre-ordered some shit a while ago, and, and some of it came in, and I haven't seen this movie in probably like I don't know a decade. Uh, but I I rewatched and was so enamored with um, 
the 2004 indie film Primer. Do you remember Primer? Have you seen I, Primer? Yeah, you recommended Primer to me uh, like our senior year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, and this is a movie that is like if if you missed it, it's not even on your radar. Um, it's is a, it even streaming on any? Does anybody even have it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so because I wanted to watch it. That, that's what kind of prompted me to look for it was that I couldn't find it anywhere really. It's the 75 minute movie, very independently filmed. Um, and I know uh, Shane Carruth is like persona non grata now. We don't, I think there was some scandalous shit that came out about him. Oh shit, I didn't, I didn't even hear about I, that. I, I saw it and I was like, well, f- fuck. Well, there's, okay, somebody else now. Um, but uh, it's this movie that basically takes a realistic depiction at, at time travel. And it's very wordy and it's, 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 it seems to be like maybe too smart for its own good, but the, the way in which these two guys just so casually talk about all of this stuff and go about building this machine, they're, they're building this machine and they don't, I don't even quite know if they know what they're trying to, what, what's going to happen. They call it the box. And ultimately what happens is they put a watch in there and they realize that, um, when the watch comes through on the other end after going in the machine, it's they realize that it's 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 lost some time, and it and so they 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 build it up and they they make it into a much bigger box and then they they start they themselves start fucking with time travel and going back and kind of making some trades and trying to to profit off of it and I mean it's not big in plot it's just it's watching these two guys deal with basically inventing time travel. Um, but I, I, it's so slick. It's it's very cool, and and it's got that like we kind of mentioned it with Collateral right recently with that sort of like digital early DV kind of quality look to it. But story wise, acting wise, it's a really compelling movie. And yeah, you're right. I I don't know where to find it. But well, it's so I just looked. It's it doesn't come with any of your subscriptions, but you can rent it on most platforms okay, good, like good. Prime and all yeah. those other shits. But I found it on you know Arrow just released it with another one of Shane Carruth's films, and I was like, okay, cool. I I want this. I would like to own this, and I got it on Blu-ray. And um, is that Arrow US as well as UK? No, I think it's just UK. Oh. Yeah. Um, for all you listeners out there who are re- or who are free range, mm-hmm. who are free from the bondage of being stuck with you know region A, <laughs> how, which is I get it. There's licensing issues and shit, but like in yeah. 2021, how is this still a fucking thing we have to deal with? I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, clearly, outside of uh, Criterion and occasionally, you know, whatever arrow releases in the u.s you know i i like a lot of these uk distributors oh, and I, I am i'm head over heels in love with indicator yeah indicator and, and uh second sight i really like the package oh, of, of second their stuff. sight is, did i tell you i got the the in bruges yeah and it is it was every penny oh god the fucking penny. screenplay is in there yeah, it's, it's amazing great. oh it's so good um, but anyway, anyways, uh, primer, find it. And it's a short watch, like 75 minutes. Really interesting. Um, I do recommend you watch it with subtitles because there are times when you're like, they talk so quick and it seems like it's such technical jargon that like, you just kind of want to catch it, but, um, still good. Still absolutely check it out. Yeah. It's prompted <laughs> me to, I got to pick up that arrow now. Cause I haven't seen it since, like I said, you told me about it. Probably our senior year or first year you were in college or something. It came out in 04, and I think I, I picked it up. I just blindly picked it up in 05. Was it like a Hollywood video? No. Three I, for 20? No. Oh, God. It pop, <laughs> no, it wasn't. But <laughs> that wouldn't shock me if it was. 
<laughs> All right. So, Ian, what is what is your recommend this week? So I've got a little indie film as well uh, that is available on Prime if you have a Prime subscription. Um, I blindly bought it, though, just because I'm trying to round out my Philip Seymour Hoffman collection. It's a movie called Love Liza. Oh. Build as a tragic comedy. Not that it needs to have that on there, but I guess that's probably a marketing thing because, I mean, one look at this movie and, and you would know that no studio would know how the hell to deal with this film. Uh, so Philip Seymour Hoffman plays a web designer named Wilson. Uh, his wife sort of takes her own life and then sort of obviously that, that turns his world and the world of his mother-in-law, played by Kathy, Kathy Bates, okay. upside down. And there's at first it seems like it was done. She she didn't leave a note. There's no reason for why she would do this. And then one day, out of happenstance, because he can't, he finds that he can't sleep in the bedroom. So he's sleeping in the hallway outside the bedroom, and he's he's tired of not having a pillow. At one point, so he just he kind of gets himself together, goes in the room very quickly, grabs a pillow, and notices that on her pillow she did leave a suicide note. And the whole movie is essentially like him refusing to deal with the fact that, oh, she did leave a note. He refuses to open it, even though, you know, his mother-in-law keeps telling him he needs to read it. She left that for you. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, their tension sort of builds throughout the course of the movie over that. And instead, he turns to huffing gasoline and becoming obsessed with remote control airplanes. I, I know, right? Like, how the hell do you market this thing? But it is, I mean, it is a knockout Philip Seymour Hoffman performance. As I mean, he was great in fucking everything, right? Yeah, fair. But this yeah. is this is really, I think, a, uh, a sort of forgotten, unappreciated Philip Seymour Hoffman performance that does belong in like the pantheon of his great performances. Easily, I think, a top five of his, and it was, I guess, written for him by his brother, and uh, it also features. Um, also features Jack Keeler, who you may not know that name, but he was the landlord in Big Lebowski that gets Lebowski to come see his interpretive dance. <laughs> Plays this character <laughs> named Denny, who like helps him get into the world of remote control cars and and airplanes and boats and shit like that. I mean, it is. It's just a, a baffling movie. I, but I, I heartbreaking. I've never even heard of this movie. I think you're gonna like it a lot. There's a great scene at an aquarium with one of his co-workers, which is just, again, like, just tragic. Like, like the subtitle of the movie says, a tragic comedy. I mean, yeah. it is very tragic, but fucking hilarious as well at the same time. And it is a really great balance of the two. And it's directed, of all people, by uh, Todd Luizzo, actor some people might know from High Fidelity or uh the the babysitter in Jerry Maguire, yeah, Jerry Maguire that, that gives yeah, yeah. him the the tape the the Charles Mingus uh, yeah. Charlie Parker tape yeah yeah <laughs> such a that is a weird scene <laughs> yeah, probably a movie that doesn't doesn't need that scene at all but I mean it's I mean I don't mind it being in there I just oh, showed it's, no it's fine. just to go on a weird tangent I showed Liz Jerry Maguire like a month ago she'd never seen it oh yeah she, she is a big Cameron Crowe fan she loves yeah. uh, Elizabeth you know, Elizabeth <laughs> as we know and I think she might be coming around to the idea that Jerry Maguire is. Cameron Crowe's best. Again, because it just is. Yeah, probably. I mean, almost famous. Oh, I think we had this if conversation. If I could get my I... hands on the non-director's cut of yeah, that, that movie. Yeah, that'd be nice, right? <laughs> <laughs> just because you can doesn't mean you should. Indeed. Indeed. Okay, cool. So there you go. We got Primer and Love Liza, which is if you're just a casual movie watcher, you may never have heard 
of these movies. So there you go. Some true unknown recommendations for you. Some indie gems. There you some go. Indie darlings. And speaking of indie darlings, there we go. The, like the indie movie that changed indie movies forever. We are. We're talking about Train Spotting. Uh, we are talking about a movie directed by Danny Boyle, his second feature. Um, written by John Hodge, which was based on the novel by Irvine Welsh. Have you read? I, I feel like you have you read this. Uh, Liz has actually read it. Okay, because uh, there's like this weird dynamic in her house, and I'm not trying to like out my mother-in-law, but like Liz has told me that she was like, "Well, if you're gonna watch the movie, you have to read the book too," which I I think is a, that's wow. that's cool. I think yeah, no, I think that's a great way to encourage somebody to to read. I I so, agree. So props to Sharon. Yeah. Um, so I started to read it years ago, and I, for whatever reason, put it down. I mean, a lot of it is written in phonetic Scottish accented English. Yeah. So it's you almost have to read it out loud in a Scottish accent in order to read it, <laughs> which is frustrating. <laughs> but it was Irvine Welsh's first book, and it I mean, it was it was huge. It was a cultural phenomenon with people scrambling for the rights to it, um, and it was turned into a play, which. A uh, little connection there. Ewan Bremner, who say, ended up yeah. playing Spud in the movie, played Renton in in the play. Um, I don't know if if it's been done since. Oh, I, I that didn't pop up. I I can I didn't find that. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but Irving Welsh is also. I I also um, I tried to read the prequel to Train Spotting Skag Boys, and I had to put it down because of the depictions of heroin use in it. I couldn't. I just fucking couldn't. Like I have a real. I have a real problem with needles. Sure. In general. Yeah. Hey. And I've this is fucking weird. I'll just out myself. I've had reoccurring dreams of like dying from heroin overdoses since I was like I don't know, thirteen or fourteen. Not not frequently. Not like all the time. It's been a while <laughs> since I've had them. But like, like just the idea of doing heroin is so like repugnant and abhorrent to me that it. it Genuine trying to read Skag Boys, and you get to the point where you you're you're following Renton and Sick Boy as teenagers, and it's the first time they're doing heroin, and the description of them doing it is so visceral. Like I, it did make me feel physically sick. I had to put it down. Well, I well there you go. I, that's I think that speaks to the power of of Irving Welsh as a writer. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean, it fucked fucked up your dreams it, for a little it, bit. It so fucked me up, man. <laughs> This movie lives and breathes in me. <laughs> there, well, there you go. There you go. So let's 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 talk about the cast, right? So we have um, Ewan McGregor who plays Renton, uh, Ewan Bremner who plays Spud, Johnny Lee Miller as Sick Boy, Robert Carlyle, and I'll, I'll go through all of his. So you might hear him as Francis or Franco or Begbie. He he more than anybody else goes by all of the names at some point more than anybody else. Um, we have Kevin McKay who plays Tommy. Kelly McDonald in her first role as Diane. She's great in this movie. Um, so then, and you're, so I, I have a few, few others. I have uh, Peter Mullen who plays mother superior and then Eileen Nicholas and James Cosmo as Renton's parents. Um, if anybody watched game of Thrones, you'd recognize James Cosmo um, or, or Braveheart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anybody who would I leave out? Who do you want to give oh, some love to? Shirley Henderson, man, as, as Gail. I think she's fucking great. Um, that's uh, that's Spud's girlfriend. Uh, you've also got uh, Suzanne uh, Vidler, who plays Allison, who's uh, the mother of um, uh, little baby Dawn. And then Irvine Welsh pops up in a cameo as Mikey Forrester. Yep. As well as uh, John Hodgen and uh, the producer, 
Andrew McDonald, they have cameos as well. Andrew McDonald is the flat buyer towards the end of the movie. And okay. John Hodge is just one of the store security guys as they're being chased at the beginning of the movie. Lovely. Lovely. Um, so Danny Boyle doesn't have any other movies in the book. Now, Slumdog Millionaire was in there at one point, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, do we want to have our Mount Rushmore discussion now, or would we like to yeah, have that at the it. end? Do it now? Yeah. Okay. So I, I know... I know that there are two that we are going to agree on. Um, and I should also say that I did uh, kind of at your request. I watched train spotting two, And I also watched uh, sunshine, which I had never seen before. Yeah. Now which sunshine is, gets shit on a lot. I don't understand canon. why. Yeah, I know it's a solid movie. I was, I was I entertained. Killian Murphy is fucking great. I was it. riveted the entire time. The whole but, cast is great. Yeah. Oh, I mean any, any time that you can get Cliff Curtis in your movie, I'm on you board. You should. Yeah, he, he, is he is great. One of the most underappreciated actors ever. Under underappreciated and most versatile. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, he's he's amazing. I love him. If, if you don't know Cliff Curtis, he's Smiley in Training Day. Yes, that is crazy. Yeah, he's fucking so good. That that scene, uh, that so scene good. at the table, you ever had your shit pushed oh. in? Oh, that's the, every fucking time that scene gets me. Man. Yeah. Um. Um. Okay. So okay, Mount Rushmore. Here are the two that I I think we have to agree on. Uh, train spotting. Yeah. Twenty eight days later. Yeah. Okay. Those those are the two. Okay. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um. Now, Slumdog Millionaire isn't on mine. That's though I it, know that it would be on most, and it's probably going to be the movie that he's remembered for, it, because that's the one that he won the Academy Award. Didn't it win like fucking eight? It won eight. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and actually, when I was thinking about his Mount Rushmore, I went with okay. What mood is I? Well, what what broke him out? Train spotting. Right. What brought him back? 28 days later because if there's a period there where his movies were well, not right right after this you have a life less ordinary which is it's okay it, it's not bad it's fine yeah the beach is not the beach is fucking garbage beach is not good and i think that i think i don't put that on danny boyle i put that on like heavy studio interference and them insisting that DiCaprio was in it and i'm it, not going to say that it's bad because of danny boyle it's just a bad movie right it's and just it, not and good it broke Ewan McGregor's friendship, which is the reason why it took us 20 years to get a sequel to Train Spotting, because um, Danny Boyle had promised Ewan McGregor that that was he was going to be in it, and it's, honestly, it was going to be their first big studio picture together. So I kind of get the betrayal there. Yeah. This is the movie that he, in his mind, I think was going to break him. You know, it was going to you know be his breakthrough role I, yeah, in, I, into I, a larger world, into the larger Hollywood world, because I don't think he had been signed on for Phantom Menace yet. And so oh, when Danny not. Boyle had to say, no, the studio says it can't be you. It has to be DiCaprio. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not going to get made. What which I Yeah. And I, I just wonder in another world that movie is good. Like it, it, maybe it could be. But I just I just was not I just was not connected to that. Yeah, movie it's, it's not all. good. Um, and then Slumdog is on mine. And obviously, and then I thought, like, what did he win his Oscar for? Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, I yeah. think that's but I also really like Slumdog. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to stop before my fourth one. So I want to hear what's 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 so you have transpotting twenty eight days, days later. I have his first movie, Shallow Grave, a very good movie. I I adore Shallow Grave, and I, fact, when you think about the fact that they made these two movies, Shallow Grave they made for a million pounds, Trainspotting they made for a million and a half. Trainspotting, honestly, and I'm, I'm probably a little bit biased because of as we go through the episode, people obviously hear how much I love it. But fair enough, I think Trainspotting looks like a fucking ten million dollar movie. Oh, it's the fact that great. it was made for a million and a half pound fucking breaks my brain. There's only one chunk of the. Well, I like this movie too. There's only one chunk of the movie I don't like. And we'll when yeah, you yeah, get there, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. let you know. Um, my, my the fourth one that would be on my Mount Rushmore is probably really a, a controversial one, but Steve Jobs. <gasps> oh, 
Oh! Is that your fourth yes, one too? Yes, it is. I f- yes, oh, it is. I, and I look, I get it. I get how pissed off the <laughs> tech industry was and all like the purists, all the people that love Apple, Apple products and Steve Jobs. Oh, this isn't true to like... They never shit. fucking said it was a biopic. It's Dude, three it's a, scenes. Aaron Sorkin wrote the screenplay. It's not true to life. Yeah. Look at, and, and nothing against Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin is the guy that wrote the American president on fucking crack cocaine. Yeah. The, the, like the social network is not based on real things. Molly's game is such an exaggeration of what happened. Did you see the trial of the Chicago seven? Do you think that's how it went down? No, no. but he knows how to write entertaining dialogue and Steve jobs is so good. And Fassbender fucking... He's amazing. Oh, he nails it so fucking hard. He's, yeah, who, won, who won Best Actor that year? Was that 14? 20, 2015. So, yeah. So this was the year after. Anyway, so uh, here are the other nominees. Uh, Eddie Redmayne was nominated again that next year for The Danish Girl. Not a good movie. Whatever. Um, Matt Damon for The Martian. He's in it a lot. I get it. It's, yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian Cranston for Trumbo. Oh, yeah. I like Trumbo. I like Trumbo a lot. And who won, and this was, I think this was a makeup Oscar year, was Leo for The Revenant. That's right. Because he didn't win for Wolf of Wall Street, which everybody was convinced he was fucking gonna. But that, but then he lost to, to, to McConaughey. McConaughey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, no, I still go Fastbender, man. I, I, I like The Revenant a lot, but I, Fastbender. It, that's my pick as well. Nailed that. And again, again, and I, we, we were talking off mic about this a little bit. I guarantee Fastbender didn't win because it was too much talking. This consensus that if you're talking too much in a movie, you're yeah. not doing enough, and if you're not doing, you're not acting that or whatever. There seems to be this weird fucking disconnect, but I don't under fucking stand it. But yeah, <laughs> Michael Fassbender was was fantastic. And in that, that whole movie. cast, Jeff Daniels, the scenes between Fassbender and Jeff Daniels. No, let's be real. The whole cast, right? Yeah. Kate, him, uh, Fassbender, Kate Winslet, Fassbender, and fucking um, Rogan? Seth Rogen in that last. That last chunk the, of the, the movie. The best thing that Rogan's ever done. Holy like, shit. Bar none. You know, if we're going to throw, and nothing against um, Jonah Hill, but if we're going to throw Jonah Hill two Academy Award nominations in the last 10 years, where was Rogan's? Yeah. And, and and again, I'm not saying that Jonah Hill wasn't good, but like Seth Rogan was on the same level as Jonah Hill in those two movies. Where, where, oh, 100%. Where, where, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. Fucking Academy. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. I am thrilled. Steve Jobs is so, so good. So we're, we're three. So we match on three. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I'm, and, I'm and cool Shallow Grave, that. I get it. I mean, it's not, it probably wouldn't be everybody's go to Danny Boyle movie, but it is such an impressive feat with three magnificent performances in an indie film of its caliber. Yeah. Well, and, Ec- and Eccleston. I was going to say, fucking nuts. And in I, that movie. I really like, too, it kind of, I, I maybe didn't launch their careers, but it's so fun to look at a movie that's that. Not God, it, it is old. It's not a recent movie, but like, you know, they both went on to have good careers. Eccleston maybe not as illustrious as Ewan McGregor, but but he did get to be Doctor Who. Yeah, well, he got to do a lot. Of, yeah, which he was Doctor means Who. He got something to, to some. It doesn't fucking mean shit I didn't to watch me. Those shows, but I mean, he was. Did you see the leftovers? Have you watched that show? I haven't. But he's it's, he's it's good. Very in it. high up yeah, on my list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We haven't watched uh, all of the third season because we just need to go back and rewatch it. Because I I I get it. People don't like it. it I I'm sure many people find that show kind of pretentious maybe but i fucking i dug it hard yeah and i and i like that i like that what who is that guy the the lead in it uh just justin throw yes yeah. there you go i like him a lot yeah okay cool well there we go there's our danny boyle Matt Rushmore. Well, anyway, and the Fantastic. and the connection in the when we were talking about the cast i forgot about keith allen keith allen is in both train spotting and shallow grave and i think that it's never i don't think anybody has ever come out and said that he is the connective tissue between those two films but he is playing a drug dealer 
in both of them, he shows up at the beginning of Shallow Grave with a suitcase full of money and yeah. drugs and dies in the apartment. And, you know, so he's at the end, he's the dealer at the end of train spotting. So I think it's one of those like Quentin Tarantino, yeah, unspoken connected world things that I, like, if, if you want to buy it, that's great. If not, you don't have to, but I, I do. I don't want to get into the Pulp Fiction thing yet, but that, that will come up in conversation oh, a little yeah, bit. I'm sure it will. Um, so let's talk about accolades. Um, it had one Academy Award nomination for Best Adapted Screenplay, which it lost to Sling Blade. I, the fact that it was nominated at all, I think that the nomination is the win. Oh, yeah, for sure. For a movie like this, uh, yeah. yeah, totally. I totally get you. It's um, like the next year when Full Monty would be nominated for Best, for picture. Best picture. Yeah. Like, no, you don't have to win. You Because you're there, you won. Exactly. By the way, what a big switch for fucking Robert Kylile. That's 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 you awesome. You want to speak to the the caliber of his talents? He's good. I yeah, yeah. I I'm on board. I'm I'm fully on board. Um, at the BAFTAs, it won Best Screenplay. It lost uh, Best British Film to The Madness of King George. Have you seen that? No, neither have I. I want to. Yeah. I I mean, I it's a historical drama, so yeah, I'm yeah. sure maybe it's a little slow, but I'm I'm interested to and see. It's it. got it's got my boy Ian Holm in it. There you go. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Ian Holm. Um. Uh, on the National Border Review, it was one of the top 10 films of the year, and it won Best Film and Best Director at the Seattle International Film Festival. That's right. Seattle representing, at man. At SIF. That's yeah. cool. I like that. Because our, our critics know what's up, man. Boom. We actually, on the good year, sorry, uh, oh, okay. we yeah, actually we reference the Seattle uh, Times Review. Oh, do you? Of it. Yep. I, I will... Look forward to, to listening to that begrudgingly. <laughs> um, uh, currently, it is number 164 on the IMDb Top 250. Which puts it between The Sixth Sense and Jurassic Park. So, I mean, okay. pretty pretty good company. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I mean it, it's better than The Sixth Sense, but whatever. I know. that. They, I mean, we don't get to make up the rules. <laughs> it, <laughs> it currently has a 91% audi- uh, critical and 93% audience score. Um did you have anything critically that you wanted to shout out? I did, actually. Mm-hmm. I uh, mm. I didn't go our usual Robert Ebert route. I wanted to go with somebody who was the other side of the pond, and I, I love Empire Magazine. Ah. Always have, always will. They're Speak, a great right. outlet. Have you listened to the three-hour conversation between it, Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino? It's on my list. It's good. I, it, the I'm second, sure it is. The second half of it is just them talking about how Scorsese gave Edgar Wright this epic list of British films, and they just talk about which ones they've seen. But it's still like it's still utterly fascinating. I I would be fine if the whole three hours was that, dude. No, it's it's so worth your time. <laughs> so worth your time. Sorry, sorry. Empire. So uh, Neil Jeffries uh, in November of '96. So I'm assuming this was a review for when the uh, VHS came out, because this would have still been vhs days boom uh he he brought up something in his review which is very important to me when talking about this film okay and that is train spotting doesn't glorify heroin it glorifies youth youth at its worst mostly but youth trying to sort things as only youth can watch it again on video and it's still in parts hilariously funny but whereas in the cinema peer pressure helped everyone laugh as the junkies got it all wrong sitting on your own sofa heroin looks more serious than ever this doesn't spoil the film it destroys the idea that train spotting could ever glorify heroin. No way. The last paragraph, he, all, he goes on to say, it all goes pear-shaped naturally, and no one is surprised because by now the message is sinking in. Heroin is for losers, for useless, unreliable fuck-ups. But in the hands of Boyle and this fantastic cast, and with a stunning soundtrack, it is possible to receive that message in an unprecedented and unrivaled piece of entertainment, something Britain can be proud of and Hollywood must be afraid of. 
Well, and can I, sorry, and that, that I, I, I'm not going to read a, a lot of this, but I, I pulled Peter Travers' original review from Rolling Stone. I used to really respect that guy a lot, but I think in the last decade is, I don't know if you've read any of his recent stuff. Oh, I, I don't say, I, I can't say that I read it religiously or anything, but I, I like that in a way he goes, um, he says, uh, train spotting is a singular sensation, a visionary knockout spiked with insight, wild invention, and outrageous wit. Sure, it's easy to mainline mind-numbing American-made summer junk like Eraser or Striptease, which is great. Very topical for that time. Awesome. But doing so can't match the thrill of watching as train spotting from Irvine Welsh's 1993 cult novel declares war on the dull gravity of social realism. Which I, I like. And I, I love that he can, like, you can you can be, you know, like... You can get like the uh, just the like the dopamine overload with something like a racer or striptease, but like this is a different kind of thrill. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which and I and by the way, I really liked your review too. That's that's the good yeah. point. Um, cool, awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, this is usually the point in the show where I ask Adam, "Do you love lists?" Ah, uh, I love lists. I love lists. I love lamp. Well, I the first list that I grabbed, I realized as soon as I grabbed it that we've already done it. We did this list, uh, so I'm not going to do it again here. If you Don't go back and listen to our Third Man episode, it, it was the, the top 10 British films of all time. Ah. Oh, sorry, the top 10 British films of the 20th century from the BFI. Gotcha. Good list. Yeah. Yeah. Go go listen to our Third Man episode again because it's a good episode. Do it, motherfuckers. Wow. That got aggressive. <laughs> but what I did, I tried, again, I tried to find, as I've been doing, I've been trying to find alternative lists. Uh, a year ago, uh, there... There was this online Scottish magazine called uh, scottishfield.co.uk. Uh, their contributors, Nicola Roy and Kenny Smith, put together a list of the top 10 Scottish films to get you through the lockdown. Okay. This is, and again, this is, like I said, this is last year when everybody was still feeling pretty optimistic that we were going to get through it quickly. Oh. Which is why it's only 10 films instead of what like, now should be a couple hundred. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're still in it. But this this list is banana pants fucking crazy, okay. which is why I I had right. to share this thing with I you. I love it's, bananas it's and pants, yeah. so I can't wait to hear this. No, yeah, I don't yeah, that's great. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I don't know, man. This list is fucking nuts. Here we go. All right, number ten, Under the Skin. Yes, great movie. Great movie. Uh, number nine, Highlander. I mean. Is it okay? Okay. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the the, the I've seen Highlander and Highlander too. Well, there there's like seven of them. Well, I stopped that for the and second a, one and a series. Yeah, yeah, I, I know I know the series exists too. Okay, and I guess I mean, Ryan Reynolds has been trying to do a reboot for I, like a decade. I can't say that I'm against it being on this list. It's not really a Scottish movie. Like more than half the movie takes place in New York. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> and I just again. Some of the greatest casting of all time. You get like, Christopher Lambert could barely speak English when Lambert. he made this movie. Lambert, excuse me. <laughs> I think he learned his lines phonetically. <laughs> he probably did. He's he's so as a French guy who speaks very little English, playing a Scottish guy. Yeah. And then you cast an actual Scottish guy. Oh yes. As a two thousand year old Sp- Egyptian. Oh Egyptian. That's right. That's with a, right. With a Spanish name. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I was like, isn't he Spanish? But no, you're it's right. Like, yeah. it's, it's Ramirez. Motherfucker. Those movies are great, man. Oh, it's, I've, it's something I, else. I don't get high very often, but man, I wish I was high when I watched those. It's like my guilty pleasure, insane double feature is Highlander and the 1982 Conan the Barbarian. 
I hate that movie. I know. I fucking hate that I, movie. And I, that makes me so happy. <laughs> it makes me so happy how much you hate that movie. Oh, God. Oh, cool. I'm, I, I'm already, by the way, in love with this list. I know. This is well, fantastic. Number eight, in all fairness, should be number one. It's the original 1973 Wicker Man. Oh, okay. Well, I know you are big. You're a big fan of that movie. I love the movie. It's fucking yeah. great. Have yeah. you still not seen it? No. We'll remedy. I'll take care of that. Okay. Um, just import the the final cut from uh, Studio Canal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number seven is a movie I've heard of, but have not seen, and I would really like to because I love. It's one of Peter Capaldi's first movie. I love him again. Another getting Doctor Who references in he, on this. He's episode, great. He's he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's a movie called Local Hero. Oh, that's uh it's like a Texas oil company come to like the Scottish coast. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah, yeah. isn't there a, there's a criterion of that, right? Yeah, yeah. I believe yeah. So it's a Bill Bill Forsyth movie. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, number six is Shallow Grave. Okay. Yep. Uh, number five is another Bill Forsyth movie called Gregory's Girl, which is another one I've heard of. It's like a, an awkward young love story centered around this small football club and kind of like a working class Ken Loach thing, which is funny because the next film on the list, number at number four, is a Ken Loach movie called The Angel's Share. Oh, I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I know. As, as both new, new-ish budding Ken Loach fans, yeah. this should probably be on our Raiders. Again, it's about unemployed youth. It's got a lot to do with whiskey, apparently, and it's again a lot of non non actors in it. Yep. Uh, number three is Brave, the Pixar movie. <laughs> and I, I didn't get. I wish I had. I have their justification for the number one, which is uh, crazy when we get there. But I wish I had grabbed their justification for having Brave on there. I think they talked about it like doing a good job of like glorifying scottish cultural heritage and which I, I i mean i don't disagree with that yeah i just uh okay that's that's fine i have more of an issue with that than highlander what does that tell you i, I know right i'm brave the whole movie takes place in scotland i know right <laughs> i've got my priorities way fucking it's wrong. all fucking out of i know uh number two is train spotting okay that, that should be well again like it should one and two should be wicker man and train spotting yep Number one is fucking Braveheart. And here's their justification. All right. What it lacks in accuracy, it makes up for in entertainment. Mostly shot in Ireland, the lavish scenery, sprawling battle scenes, and ongoing theme of Scottish patriotism is very satisfying to watch. You know, I I don't dislike the movie, but it's just... I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I would probably... You know, maybe I should increase my knowledge of Scottish films. Probably should, uh, based on what I've seen. It probably would make my ten for for a list like this. It wouldn't be number one, yeah, by no no means. But but for like length alone, it's yeah, it's a long, it's yeah. a long movie. Yeah. Anyway, shout out to Braveheart and uh, Kieran B at Best Picture Cast. They just recently dropped a Braveheart episode, and he had two great co-hosts on it. If you haven't heard it, you should. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. He, there you go. There's he, some there's some free pub. Boom. There, Kieran. Um, okay, so here we go. Train spotting. Um, uh, plot wise, I, I, I'm not really gonna say much because it really is just following these this this group of friends. <laughs> I, I'll use that term loosely, maybe. Um, throughout their their time battling with uh, heroin use and what they do with their time and over trying to overcome it and not and and how it affects their lives. I'm just gonna stop there because it's and, and not in a bad way. This is kind of a plotless movie. Yeah, the, like, the plot doesn't really kick in until 
the last what twenty minutes? I'll say it, that's what you consider the plot to be is, is yeah. this whole like this deal, the yeah. score that they're going to exactly. do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is where I'm going to hijack the episode a little bit. Fuck, do it because I I know how I feel about this episode. If you if you can't tell, I love this movie. This movie is in my top ten films of all time. Where it falls in that list, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Probably in the bottom five. I'm working very diligently. I was working very diligently on a top 25 films of all time, which is slowly growing into like a top 40 now. I mean, I'm working on it. One day I will have it for you and I'll share it with everyone. But I want to talk about your familiarity with train spotting, your first viewings, initial reactions, and, and now how that's changed with, with prepping it for the podcast. Um, this was definitely uh, a high school movie. It's not, I couldn't tell you when exactly. And I know I definitely went through a phase in high school where I wanted to be pushed. I remember, I, I mean, I could tell you specifically like doing these, these, these Google searches, like what are the most, not outrageous, that's the right word, but like the, the most intense or the most, uh, like gut wrenching or, you know, whatever I, I would, I would wanted to be pushed. I wanted to see what was sort of intense cinema or whatever, you know? And how was it? You only found crash this year then, man. Well, no, no, I, I don't think I that was that's a hard movie to find. It is. I'm just, I'm just busting your nose. I know. And a call I know. back to, to crash. our conversation. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but train spotting kept coming up, and 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 you know, I uh, for anybody who doesn't know this, Pulp Fiction is my favorite movie of all time, and I kept hearing kind of comparisons, like, or, and not that it was the same, but that like if you like this, you probably would like this. Stylistically, and, soundtrack, all that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, I rented it. And and watched it and and definitely I mean enjoyed it as a movie right I thought it was I thought it was good I I do really like this movie and I probably have seen it you know three or four times over the last twenty years or so and um always enjoy, like when I watch it I always enjoy it which is a weird thing to say about a movie that deals with addiction and some 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 harrowing scenes when I watched this most this last time I mean it kicks off and I don't want to I, I don't want to. I'm going to give it back to you in a second, but like it just launches you right in lust for life is fucking blaring that running down the street. (laughs) That, that is like top five needle drops in a film of all time. It's great. It's great. And then we get the, you know, choose life. We get the whole monologue. Like the, the opening sets you up and it's great because it doesn't tell you what this movie is going to be about, but you know, you're, you're already on the ride. It's like you didn't like there was no here's my ticket. I got to sit in and strap in. You didn't even know you were already strapped in. And then the movie fucking just launches you off. Um, And so I'm already I'm in I'm in and, and in a weird way. It's like I, I always like reading books. Uh, I, I, I like Malcolm Gladwell's books because he'll he'll delve into a subject and like I'll learn things like when one of his books, he talks about like basically how ketchup was invented. I'm like, I would never have wanted to know that. But now I do. And like that's kind of interesting okay and so like this whole world of like this is how you do it like or if you're gonna get clean like you know the whole thing where he's kind of setting up his 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 place his relinquishing junk step by step yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and i'm not trying to jump that far into the movie but like it because I, I will go scene by scene with you if I'm, you let me i'm 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 interested in the world that this is setting up right um and i i don't i hate this is i feel like this is such a like the opposite of a hot take. This is like an obvious cold take that I'm about to give. But like this movie now, um, having kids, uh, is, uh, uh, pretty fucking hard. The second that you see the baby alive and well, 
But the second that you see, especially, I mean, if you haven't seen it before, then then you obviously that that's a shock. Or like what happens will be a shock. And I, we don't have to jump there yet. But like the second I saw that baby alive and well, I was like, I already got shuddered. I was like, oh. Well, it's all, and it's mostly, I think, because of the piece of dialogue, the, 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 the Renton's narration over the top of when you see the baby roll into frame, like yeah. into the door frame. And he says, you know, he's talking about, you know, how great heroin is, you know, it, it, through his fucked up perspective, as as, a, as the Empire uh, review said at the time, you know, yeah. youth viewing the world as only youth can. And he says, you know, he's talking about, you know, dealing with all those other things that don't matter, all those obligations, and the baby rolls into frame. It's like, fuck me sideways. That is like a monumental piece of editing. Yeah. And sound editing and bringing and like stitching the elements of what you see on screen together with the narration. Yeah. Big time. Big time. Um, so I. All, I mean, all I can say is that this movie has aged, you know, like, unfortunately, terrifically. Right. I mean, it, it's I'm I'm sure that this movie is still relevant in the way of how, you know, what what it's like for people to deal with with being addicted to, to anything narcotic related. Um and yet it's still so peppy and upbeat and and momentum driven and you know it's it's stylistically it's it's so cool it sucks you in and even when they're making you know terrible decisions you're still kind of riveted and into what they're doing again not condoning the drug use but just you're hooked this movie is so propulsive it's it doesn't give you a second to really sit back and go there's no time to think, which I think in some movies can be not good, but in this one, I think it's like it's all visceral. It's all yeah. yeah you yeah. just you get it and you keep going, which is why I think it works so well with a double feature with Requiem for a Dream, where you have nothing but time to think and like just sit in this world and have to deal with this bullshit. Whereas Train Spotting, as you said, it's propelling you. The momentum of it is incredible. Well, and there's so many, and again, I think why. There's there's movies like Requiem, which is just so depressing the entire time. You know, I, I don't want to. I feel like I we skipped over. I want to know how you got. To, I want to know how you got this. Like how this came into your life. But like, there are moments in this movie, like the worst toilet in Scotland, which is just a one of the greatest sets of all time. It's just a, it's just amazing. It's just this weird, funny, crazy thing that again, in in a movie like this, it's it's one of many tangents that you will take in this movie yeah. is this weird did this did this like what really happened moment but fuck it it doesn't matter because we're 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 still going we're just yeah. watching him do it yeah well and it's, that's the the power of there, there's a sort of lyricism in Renton's narration now I'm not always a fan of narration and I think it should be used sparingly unless unless I don't know. I'm I'm in really in two minds about it, but I think it works so well here because it is such a part of the fabric and momentum of the film. And there's there's a lyricism in it. It is other than the soundtrack, his narration is the driving force in the movie and just the the rhythm of it, especially in that the scene before he gets to the toilet where he's like heroin makes you constipated. Yeah. And the suppositories have yet to melt. And when he doubles over in pain from his stomach finally like his bowels loosening. He's like, yeah. I'm no longer constipated. And you, know, there's only one fucking way this is going to end. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, yeah, it, it's just, it, 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 it 
it doesn't just ride the same emotional wave, right? It, yeah. it does. It takes many peaks and valleys yeah. as you as you go through it. So yeah, but I, but th- like you love this. this is the top ten movie for you ever. Something so. about it. I don't know. I if I was the right age, I we were probably pretty close to the same age when we saw it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I was a little younger. I remember catching bits and pieces of it on um, on Channel Four on on British TV. And then not, not getting to finish it until a few weeks later when I, I happened to just grab a copy of it on DVD at a big HMV sale. Uh, I don't know, man. Something about it's. I, I imagine the same connection you have to Pulp Fiction is the same connection that I have to this. Sure. I, no. I, I, I'm guessing. No, I maybe. I mean, and it's it's funny because I, and I maybe I never noticed it so much before, but like. All of the 007 chat, especially in the in that first real scene where they're at Mother yeah. Superior's, is like this is this is just them in the car. This is them talking about pilots. What's yeah. a pilot? You know, and yeah. and, and he by knows no a lot means. about Sean Connery though. Yeah, oh. that's hardly a substitute. <laughs> we got If we have any Scottish fans, I promise you, you will be alienated by the end of this episode. No, no. Here's the thing: we don't mock to hate. We mock to love. Yes, we, we exactly. love it. And and here's the thing: I've only been out of the country a handful of times, and one of them was to Scotland. I yeah, love went, Scotland. You went to the Edinburgh Festival, I, right? I, yep. Which there's a, a called there's there's a scene in the uh, where they beat the shit out of a U.S. tourist and yep. steal his money at the festival. Not my experience. FYI. Well, luckily, not, that, not my luckily experience. Luckily, you at didn't all. bump into any begbies. Yeah. <laughs> or act too American. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm sure, sure there are a few begbies around there. Oh, God. I, I, Robert Carlyle has talked about, yeah, just go down there on Friday, Saturday night in Glasgow. You'll find one. Oh, man. Um, okay, so the, the other thing about this movie. Um, which I think is so. You know, I don't want to do any. I don't want to necessarily compare this to Requiem, but you know, Requiem, Requiem is so realistic, and it's not that this isn't realistic, but um, uh, there's and I, I can only re- relate to this in terms of the like where I think plays are going right now in theater, how they're being written, is this idea of magical realism, right? It's realism. It, it's a real story, but there are elements that that are um, otherworldly that are not quite of uh, the natural way things would go. Um, I think a good example of this would be something like Angels in America, right? Which has the the angels come in and it's got these weird tangents and it's it's about the AIDS crisis in the 80s, but there's also these other bits that aren't, they're not realistic. They're not the way that something would happen in the real, real right, world. It's been a while since I've seen the HBO miniseries, but you actually, you go to heaven at one point. Yeah, the, yeah, that's what I mean. That yeah. there, are these, there are these segments that are definitely not of the real world. Yeah. And- I think what, again, what makes this movie different, it's not just a movie about addiction in a very real way. And there are, again, there are moments of that, but like the, the, the toilet sequence, when he, when he sinks into the floor on the, the bad hit, right? There are all of these moments in the movie that are definitely not real. Do you know what I mean? Like, like there, there's something extra stylistically being done and that's, you know, in another movie, maybe it wouldn't work, but in this one, it does. It 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 works. The way yeah. that we sort of go through um, the, the world, it's we get all. It's very realistic, and then it's these moments that are a bit magical, if you will. Right, which I think is why it's so important to talk about this film in terms of what glorifies drug use and what doesn't. I think a lot of people can. I think they confuse style for for glorification. 
And we've, we've had this conversation numerous times on the show with different films about perception, you know, somebody seeing something in a film and somebody else seeing something else, right? Yeah. I've, I think I've told this story before, but what they did a big charity screening of this film with a lot of celebrities there, and they were raising money for, you know, for, for rehabilitation and, and drug awareness education and things like that. And Eric Clapton was there mm-hmm. and he's very outspoken about all those sorts of charitable causes. He walks out of that movie and he says, well, there's 20 years worth of my life's work down the drain because of this film glorifying heroin use. Like, what fucking movie were you watching, man? And I think Danny Boyle has come out and said something very similar to what I just said about people confusing style with glorification. Yeah. It's like they, you see those shots that you're talking about where he sinks into the floor and then you've got the edges of the carpet as a as a frame yeah you know him being inside the carpet inside the floorboards while he's overdosing and then you know and then that driving great poppy soundtrack yeah which moves from the 70s all the way into like brit pop and and electronic and dance music and i think people hear and see those kinds of things and go well this is so cool and stylish that it's going to make people want to do heroin like bob dole tried to get this movie banned in the states, yeah, didn't that didn't work? Yeah, thank fuck because fuck Bob Dole. And so like, and I know we, we were talking off mic about a different podcast, and I'll I'll leave it leave that out. But like, the the the, the reasons for thinking that this movie is um, uh, glorifying drug lo- drug use is just bananas. And and I, we don't have to. I, I want to give some specifics, and then I'm gonna kind of another launching off point about something that you you asked me to do as kind of homework for this. So, um, look at. Look at Renton's life when he goes to London, right? He's got a job that he clearly doesn't like. He's living in a in a shithole place, right? He is he's barely making it by, right? He's sober and that's great. He's not he's not doing drugs. That's that's great. He's able to save some money, which will be yeah. important later. But like this is not this is not a good life. It's 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 a fine life. He's getting by, but like at no point during that chunk of the movie am I thinking, oh, yeah, no, he – it was worth all the heroin usage yeah, to get yeah, here, yeah. right? You did a good job. All that all that shit was better. And and you asked me to watch the second Train Spotting movie, which I did. And I, I was entertained by it. I think it's fine. But – and it's like we only know this in hindsight, right? But now it's like, no, no, no. This is not glorifying drug use. Look at these guys later. This is – nobody – nobody of our crew of our people that were following through the movie outside of Tommy, who of course comes to a harsh end. And we'll talk about that in a second, but like their lives are not good. They're all still fucked up people dealing with, with basically the repercussions of their youth of not, of never really coming out of that. Right. Like, and you are allowed to be young and crazy and do shit and that's fine. And I, I hate to say this, but like at some point, yeah, you grow up doesn't mean you can't have fun or still be adventurous or whatever but like at some point you have to realize that that is that is not what life is about and what what T2 did was just solidify that the repercussions of their youths are still affecting them today and that Which, these aren't I, good people I want to do lots of sequel talk with you throughout the course of the episode <laughs> and at the end but what makes train spotting 2 not just a good movie but a great fucking sequel is when they go to pay homage to Tommy and they're there they're there at that same train track they're there at that same place uh-huh. that Tommy tried to get them to go on a walk and and Spud who is trying to turn his life around he's connecting with this moment he's got the flowers yep. he walks off into the distance to create the little shrine to Tommy and sick boy and Renton are stood there 
having to deal with what you're talking about, the repercussions of what they did 20 years ago. And Renton, for better or worse, gave Tommy his first hit. You know, Tommy said, I'm an adult. I can find it anywhere. But Renton opened the door for him. So, can, oh, God. Sorry. I feel like Keep we're going. dancing. We're Keep dancing going. around the baby Dawn thing, which no. we, we oh. have to deal with. No, we will. What, but what, I w- the, the moment where I knew that T2, like I said, wasn't just a good movie, but a great sequel was when they address baby Dawn. Because you go, we're, this is more than an hour into that the movie. That was harsh. Yeah. And he turns to Tommy and he said, she'd be a woman by now, wouldn't she? She might have kids of her own. How the fuck do you keep a lid on that? Yeah. You were supposed to be there for her, making sure that she was breathing. Instead, you were shooting junk into your fucking veins. That scene and the way they look at each other, I the hairs on my arm are fucking stood up when I think about that. No, that was that was a good moment. And that's and again, like T two, like I, it's not a bad movie. I'm not saying that. I I definitely there are moments I I certainly liked the movie. Um, I but let's okay. I want to talk about Tommy for a second, and then we can talk about Baby Don. So yes, Renton, you can you can certainly say that Renton introduced Tommy to heroin, to to getting the first hit, to doing whatever. But we you got to go one step back. That I was gonna say no, Renton, fucking he essentially destroys Tommy's life. Yes, he does. He absolutely does. And first of all, the whole the idea of stealing a sex tape that your friend made is like, well, one, it's just fucking hilarious. Well, it's, it's hilarious in the sense that they do it and that they're watching it. So casually. Yeah. They're just like Renton is like, yeah. Way back man spreading. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's something. Um, There's like no reaction on their faces whatsoever. But like, I, I, I mean, maybe this is a bold statement maybe I don't totally believe it, but I think not, admitting to Tommy or giving the sex tape back was actually worse than the hit. Well, yeah, because the hit wouldn't exist without that moment. So you're, I, I mean, you're not wrong. I, I, it's just so I remember I'm, I'm and I again, you know, I don't, I've watched this movie a handful of times and I certainly know what's going to happen, but watching this last time, I'm like, dude, Renton, like he's just a very, and we're all in in our own ways. We're all selfish people. You know, that's we're we're egocentric people. We we are at the center of our own universe. And if we can be helpful and kind and courteous to other people, that's amazing. That's great. But at the end of the day, we are our own version of the Truman Show. We are all at the center of our own lives, and we all do want what's best for us. And then who's immediately around us, right? But like the the level of of selfishness in 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 the, with the tape is just. It's like, man, I, you really did. You, you spoon fed Tommy to the grave. Yeah. Like you, it, and like, and, and it does make that moment in T2 where sick boy basically blames Renton for Tommy's death. And then, and then Renton blames sick boy for baby Don's death. It's like, you're both not wrong. Yeah. You know, you, you and, and, it, and it's like crazy that you two, again, air quote, friends would do this to each other. But in a moment like that, it's like you fucking both. Yeah. You got some fucking real bad demons in your closets. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. It's good, man. And yet, and yet the movie is still peppy. And it's like, whoa, that's, that's crazy. That's yeah. darkly funny what's going yeah. on, too. It's, it's fucking. Well, yeah. Cause then the movie turns around, the sequel anyway, turns around and it's them doing heroin. And it's like one of the most stylistic sequences in the movie. Cause then it bleeds into the, cl- them going to the club. Yeah. And while we're on sequel talk, how fucking good is the scene where Begbie 
and Renton finally are reunited, quote unquote, in the in those bathroom stalls, man. I Liz and I went and saw this at like uh where where were we? It was only in like one theater in Seattle. It came out like March of twenty seventeen. It was that one on Lower Queen Anne. Like the uptown or something like that. Sure. And it was like a, a matinee on a Sunday. There was like ten people in there maybe. Yeah. And I was fighting every urge, every screed within me to not get up and fucking cheer at that moment. Because here's here's the fucked up thing that we're going to reveal about me and my connection to this movie and the sequel specifically is when I saw the sequel, it felt like going home. Sure. It felt like I was reconnecting with old friends that I hadn't seen in 20 years. And I was... I think Liz was a little bit concerned because I was in tears at the end of that movie. It was it, They were like tears of joy. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, I... I, I I do think that, that that's a great scene. I, I for some reason I thought you were talking about and I, I don't fully understand the history of it, but that scene in that one bar that they rob and they make up that song on the spot and they fucking love it. Liz, that again, is li- hilarious. Liz and I were the only ones laughing. I thought that was fucking so in the year of 16 the no more catholics yes oh Oh my god it was fucking hysterical you play Uh, something a bit more upbeat (laughs) yeah that was great i look the look on johnny lee miller's face after he says the no more catholics thing when he slowly turns around from the piano (laughs) like that the the set for train spotting too i is i'm envious of that i cannot imagine how fun it was for them to get back together and finally do this thing yeah because they've been talking about doing it for a decade. Irving Walsh did write a sequel called Porno, uh, oh, which is, there you go. as the name implies, it's you know ten years later. Renton comes back to Scotland, and Sick Boy is all involved in the porn industry, and it's all about you know a lot of the things that happen in the movie get changed sure. because they've got to adjust for twenty years later, yeah. and all the, all the like gentrification that happened in Scotland, like breeding that. That's what it. I was gonna actually. That's that's so funny that you mentioned that because the Scot the the Edinburgh that is in the first one was like unfamiliar to me. What, but when they, when they're in Edinburgh in the second one, I'm like, Oh yeah. See, that's, that's what I saw. That, that, that looks like fucking everything else. That was the Scotland. That was the Edinburgh that I went to. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, that's, that's a bit more. And when he gets off the plane and he asks the, the girl handing out the flyers where she's from and it's like Sweden or something. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. That makes, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. All right. So, so back, we've probably moved back to the first, back to we'll, we'll come back yeah. to the sequel. Yeah. So so yeah so uh, baby Don dies, and that uh, that slow pan uh, around the crib that slow reveal. Um, so just just a bit of about how I watched it this last time. I was watching it downstairs, and the girl, the girls were upstairs. They didn't see any of this. Don't worry. But um, but Melissa was doing payroll, and she was like, "I want to be. I just want to be by you when when we watch this." And she she was like, "I think I've seen this before, but I don't know." And she's she's doing her thing, and she's kind of she's glancing up, and she's going her thing. And she just happened to look up. Oh she? yeah, yeah. Um, and she was like, "What the fuck are you watching?" <laughs> and uh, I I mean I really couldn't justify. Well, like, I'm so sorry. I I know. I was I I couldn't believe. It. I get. I go. You looked now. Um, this is it. This is the, it's always the way it happens. Always, but uh, it's just um, you know, in a in a way, and again, this is one of those. I would never before have called that shot gratuitous, and I don't. I still don't think that it is. But it's oh, the, absolutely. But it's the most that I've ever ever thought that right. That like, ah, oh, don't don't show me this. Don't and like you, like it, it could have like you could have seen the face and it could have cut away. 
But that that pan continues all the way around and then stops. The, so you see the whole body. You and, see yeah. the devastation and of what happens when a child starves to death. You, they're a, very clearly a full diaper. Yeah. And the, the skin is gray, bloated. Yeah. And it's a scene that, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't fathom calling it gratuitous. I, you need that. No, no, you no. You have I, to have that. I, no, I agree. I agree. It's, it's the most I've, I've ever, again, again, it's, it's like the cheap, easy card to play. But like as a dad now, it's just like that was like, you know, I, I felt there was one time when I was, uh, we had just moved back to Seattle and St- Stella was like three months old at the time and she was sleeping on me and we were on the couch and I like, I rolled her off. So, so she was against the, the, the back of the couch. And I, um, I was like, I was looking, I was sitting, so she was behind me. So she couldn't go anywhere. I was like, where the fuck is the remote? And it was on the ground over, over here, like four feet. I got up, got the remote and she rolled off the couch and I, I, and she was fine. She was, I mean, she cried cause she was three months old, yeah, yeah. but like I, for like, seriously, for like three weeks, constantly beat myself up about, about, about yeah. that. Like, just like, I felt like I, I, Melissa would go to, would leave me with her. I go, I'm, I feel like a piece of shit. I go, I, I'm going to, you know, like, and you know, you're not going to do that, but like, it's, that's the thing that a conscious sober person would probably like, I need to, I'm never going to do that again. Like, like you are always going to be on a flat surface that you can't roll off of, or you know, whatever, you know, you, you know. And so when they turn around and say, when he's like, fucking say something. Yeah. And he says, I'm cooking up. I mean, that's... Uh, to say that this film glorifies heroin is... I cannot fucking wrap my mind around it. No. It, it makes me fucking insane. It makes me feel like I'm fucking crazy. I mean, what here's... I mean, what it what it does, what it what it tells you is... And I and I when when they do the line about, like, take the best orgasm you've ever had and times it by whatever... I, I don't yeah. know the exact line, but, like, I believe him when he says that yeah that that's what it feels like great that's that's amazing that's great but at the expense of what you know what i mean like like at at what greater great what harm are you doing that it's really worth and that's like is is that enticing in theory sure is it enticing in practicality fuck no well ewan mcgregor admitted to he was gonna go method yeah, he, I, he, I read that. He, too. Did you read that? He was working with that Carlton Athletic Club, who are the guys that you see at the beginning of the movie while they're playing football. Yeah, who are a bunch of who are at the time were recovering heroin addicts, and he had, and they showed him how to cook up, how to do all of that shit, and he thought about doing it. And I'm like, I don't know. That still baffles my mind that yeah. you would like. There's method, and then there's fucking your life up. Uh, yeah. So I mean, obviously, and 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 then of course, uh, I mean, maybe the most other real visceral experience of the movie is watching um watching uh, him detox yeah yeah his parents make him go cold turkey in the room yeah but like here's what i love about that 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 from a from a just from a um a filmmaking standpoint right not necessarily about what he's going through emotionally but you've got you've got so many so many different things happening and and the two examples i'll give specifically are obviously we have we have baby dawn um going across the ceiling which i think is the only place the movie really shows the budget limitations. But you know what's like it, yes, it looks not great. It looks exactly like what it is. It's a yeah. remote control baby on a track. But but also there's something about the movement of it that's that's clearly not real that adds to the the aesthetic of what he must be thinking or witnessing or whatever. Um but then there's just cool camera like when when 
when he rolls over under the blankets and there's Begbie. And, Begbie. and then he gets up and Begbie's gone. Like I love like practical, like, you know, like intuitive perspective. Yeah. Shit like but that. Just, like, well, not even force, but just like, like we're on a budget. We want to do this thing. And it's like this, that quick, like, you know, like it reminds me of being in a play where like something has to happen like that. And then it's like, Whoa, yeah. Look what happened. Yeah. I, I always and we that did kind of that shit. out of ingenuity because we didn't have the money to, to exactly. do it the way that you would do it. So we had to we had to think around the problem. Yeah. And it's and that speaks, I think, to the consistency of the film, that scene in particular, because it is just as stylized as the rest of the movie. Yeah. I don't know. Where, where do you want to go now? What's up? Let's talk What's about this? performances. Sure. I mean, every. I mean, I mean, fucking everybody's great. I, I was know that's say, like the easy answer to um, that. So, actually, I say. So let's. How about this? Like, let's let's kind of skip over you and McGregor for a second. Favorite. What are your favorite moments with the other four guys? It's Spud's interview. Oh, that's so great. It's fu- like, in a word, pleasure. Like <laughs> my pleasure in other people's leisure. Yeah, except for you, you slowed it down like thirty eight percent. Like, like no, because he, he's on he's, speed. He's just going fucking rapid with that. No, I went to Craigie, Craig Newton. I just uh, put down the Royal Edinburgh College to get my foot in the door. Like he, Sean, initiative. Like Ewan Bremner, is is a true. Like I, I had a hard time understanding him a lot of the time. <laughs> oh, the, here, let's deal with that really quickly. I fucking hate that there are burned in subtitles in. At the club? At the club sequence. Now, I, oh, I fucking hate that now, so bad. See, I thought it was... I, do you think it was because of... Of the volume in the club? That's what I thought. I thought it was more of like a funny bit where like... Like, we're getting the subtitles because of how loud it is. I, I think it can go either way. It didn't rub me that way, but I can, I can, yeah, I can understand Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I think that's... So... Speaking of you and Bremner, and I, this might be the weirdest, but fuck it. I'm, no, he's I'm just, got too many good scenes. I know where you're going. You're going to the where he wakes up, right? Well, okay. Y- yes, but before that. Not the shit thing. That happens is to it the, the f- Is it the full frontal nudity? Yeah. Where she says, where she says let's look much. at what I'm missing. Danny Boyle brought that up in his commentary for the movie, where he says, to this day, whenever he recorded that commentary, I think it was 10 years, <laughs> it was for the 10-year anniversary, he says, I still feel bad about the fact that she says, oh, I'm not missing much, when he is very clearly well endowed. Yes! <laughs> I mean, and maybe, like, again, maybe the last time I watched this movie was, like, I don't know, back when I was in grad school and we had a smaller TV and I don't know, but like this was on my 65 inch, really nice 4k. And I was like, yeah. that is not a small penis. No. And like this, you and Bremner is packing heat. Whatever this chick is looking for <laughs> is just going to hurt her. Yeah. Don't, don't stop watching porn. You don't need John Holmes. <laughs> no one needs that. I, oh man. I, um, yeah, I, I, but, but yeah. And then also like Melissa casually looked up a few times in the movie and one of which two was when was when the moment where he's got the sheets and it's just yeah, oh it's so good. Oh. Spud, that are my sheets. <laughs> that scene will never not be funny to me. And that's and that's what I mean. Like I, this movie is, it, it's all over the place. I mean, it's the movie where you can have an infant die in a crib and also have shit be thrown over this family. And I don't mean shit f- like figuratively. I mean literal shit at, at breakfast. Just. Boom. The the cut from the cut from like down at like dining room table level where you see the full English breakfast with like the bangers and the sausage and those like disgustingly fried eggs to the look on his face knowing what he's holding. 
this film is full of magnificent cuts like that. Oh, that, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Spud has too many moments. He has too fucking many good moments. Well, then let's then maybe we should talk a little bit about Robert Carlyle. Well, so does he. I know. I know. But let's ah, just... Ah, we just... lassie got glass and no cunt leave till I find out what cunt did it. So... So I've, been, I, I've been practicing that, by the way. Could uh, you tell? I, yeah, I could. Thank you. That was very good. I appreciate the work you put into it. Um, Playing like Paul, Paul fucking Newman, by the way. What a... What an interesting character. I, I you know, in the research that, you know, that we, we do into this, like, I read that he, he played him as sort of a closeted homosexual, which is interesting and kind of maybe flies in the face of where the sequel goes a little bit. But I... Yeah, yeah. But it's... I, I, but and that, that's not that's not really neither here nor there. I just that that was something I thought was was interesting, and I think plays more into the into this one than it does with the other ones. Um, but I got to tell you, I I'm I'm watching the movie. I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, why are they fucking hanging out with this guy? Well, Begbie's a fucking psycho, but he's also a mate. No, so what and, can you do? And and it it and it that it's that kind of stuff that reminds me of of a particular person um who i won't i won't name drop and i wouldn't is, anyway is because, it me no because that, that's how i want to be thought of no this person is not alive anymore <laughs> this person is oh, not sure. alive anymore because drugs actually finally got the better of this person oh, so i apologize for laughing no 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 it's but it was i i remember a time where he he goes and I, by the way this person was seven years older than me so I remember I was like 16 and he was like, Hey, I need a ride up North. I got to pick something up. I was like, okay. I didn't, I, I didn't have anything better to do. And I clearly, I, I know you're a friend. You have a, you're really sketchy at times, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And I go, so we go up there, we go to uh, Mount Vernon and I go, where are we going? He says, well, we're going to, we're going to meet somebody in a parking lot. I, I only know what the car looks like. I'm like, uh, and then the other shoe drops. Well, I'm like, okay, that's, that's, something so we're driving around sorry this is a tangent but it's it's it very is. applicable to like this this story and uh so driving around and he goes oh that's it that's the car so i start following this car around mount vernon thinking that we're gonna pull off into a parking lot like i've been told except that right, doesn't happen i'm following this car for like 15 minutes they finally pull over and a guy comes out of the car pointing a gun at us and is like why are you following me and i and i'm 16 I can't believe I didn't piss myself. And my friend, which again, that's a loose term, gets out and, and tries to explain what he was doing. And, and I basically, I'd been following the wrong car for 15 minutes, freaking these guys out, thinking that, and I don't, and, and if you had a gun in your car like that, like, well, clearly maybe you aren't up to the, the very good shit either. Well, it was Mount Vernon. But like, so I, I do, it, it, you know, it took me a while to connect the dots and I, you know, it's so easy to be on the outside going, well, why are they hanging out with this guy? And yet, if there's history, yeah. that's what you do. Trust me, I've I've known a Begbie or two in my time. So but, but they're know, a mate, so what can you do? It's tough. And uh but I gotta say, well, okay, I don't wanna jump that far, but um I gotta imagine you would have done what Renton does at the end of the movie, right? Absolutely. Yeah, okay, good, good. Yeah. yeah. I don't I would hope that I would have thought of it first. Right, yeah. Hope that you 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 had the the courage or the guts, whatever right, you want to call right. it, to just pull the trigger yeah. and take off with. And I I love that. You know, for years I always there's a moment right before he leaves and he looks back and Spud's awake. Yes. Uh huh. And for years I always interpreted Bud shake Spud shaking his head as don't do this. 
what I what I've picked up on in recent years in viewing it is that Renton is giving him the opportunity to come with him, and Spud's like, uh, no. Well, because again, I think, again, but I don't think either interpretation is wrong. No, is no, no, what, no. Is what I'm driving I, at. Yeah, I agree, and I think again, this this most recent watch again, you know, we it's so easy now a movie that we've seen before to to watch it and take notes. It's 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 so much easier to 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 watch it less for entertaining purposes and to really sort of dive into it. And of course, this is obvious, but like you read more into, you know, uh, sick boy goes to the, the bathroom and um, Begbie's up at the bar it, it, right before this kind of thing. And he's like, should we take, should we go? Should we, should we like, take I, off? I don't know. It? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's such a callback to that moment. I think you're right. It's like a, yeah. I, I'm doing it. Are you, are you coming? And, and it, yes. And I, and you're totally right. It could be a, don't do this, but it could also be a, I can't do this yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. I agree. But yeah, you hope you're the one. You hope you're the first. I, I one hope to I'm make the that one decision. that thinks of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's your, what's your favorite Begbie moment? My favorite Begbie moment. I mean, I I think if for no other reason than it just showed like Begbie is all talk. And that, well, okay, nope, nope. I'm gonna back that up. Begbie is a lot of talk. Yeah. That's what I want to say. And clearly. He, you know, there's the moment where he throws the the glass over the over the railing. There's the moment at that same bar scene where he like beats that guy in and cuts and he ends up cutting uh, Spud's hand. I think my favorite moment though is when Tommy tells the story of what really happened at the oh, billiards yeah. because it's like, I you, you I, you kind of need to see this guy not firing on all cylinders, right? We yeah. don't. I don't want to see the legend of Begbie. I want to see like a like what really happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it was so great to. Well, and further reinforcing the hypocrite that he is because yeah. he, in the opening montage, there's, there's the scene where everybody in Renton's life is telling him, Oh, stop doing the drugs. And when, when they cut to Begbie and he's talking about, I wouldn't pump my veins with all that shit and all those fucking chemicals. He's got a cigarette in one hand and he downs a beer in the other one. Oh yeah. 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 Um, so can I, I don't know. I, again, I don't know where to fit this all in, but like, so there's only one part of the movie I don't like. Yeah. Can you guess what it is? I feel like you're going to be like, why are you harping on this when I tell you what it is? Is it is it the Diane scene? Is it where, like... No. It's not the... Okay. Nope. Nope. Um, and by, by the way... Because I do want to... Don't let me forget. I do want to come back to that because we were talking about... We were talking about one Ewan's penis. We need to talk about the other Ewan's penis. Sure. Well, to yeah. even it out. Yeah. Um, when we hard cut to London, I hate those those three minutes. Oh, the with the very like the the dance, the the techno music and the cross cutting and, well, and like it's very touristy. Yeah, it's well, it's it's very touristy. It looks like a tourist video for which, London. Yeah, but also like there's there's fourth wall breaking. Oh God! And yeah. like here's the thing that doesn't bug me as much as it bugs you, but like it, it's not an actor breaking the fourth wall to talk to the audience. It's, it's not like they literally just went to London and, and just hi yeah hi yeah. I'm on the movie now which is I I get it but I am also like it, this movie was made for a million and a half pounds no I I know but like why keep in the footage of the people waving to the camera I I don't know and and get it's here's the thing I I love this movie it, it, my love for this movie is not as high as yours and I I know that but like that's about the only fault I can find with it 
Yeah. It's just Which like, is such a nitpicky bullshit. No, it is. It, it, is. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. No, it, yeah. I, it really is. But like, it <laughs> and also... I, and I get it. But I, it's one of those things I just gloss over. I'm you, like, because I, I know saying, what's coming next. Well, I, exactly. And I'm happy like, to like get you, to Begbie getting to the flat. You know, you know when I said like this movie doesn't stop for anything? It stops there. It, I, I'm not, I, yeah, it, yeah. it stops and it's like, oh boy. But when you've got a movie that's like ninety five minutes, yeah. oh, who gives a shit? No, exactly. It, 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 yeah. I, it, it by no means like it's like oh god, when is this fucking movie gonna get over? Yeah, yeah. It's just like a train spotting for me. That was that was my complaint about train spotting before the sequel came out was that it wasn't long enough. Well, and, and then I got my sequel, and then that completely scratched that itch. That's it, 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 true though. In a movie like this though, where again we're not, it's not like you know the first ten minutes sets up that oh. You know, we've got a problem we got to solve. And then, like, so if we know what the problem is, right, if we know what the movie's going to be about, we, te- we tend to want to jump ahead. Like, okay, so now how are they going to solve the problem? And if we get ahead of the plot, then we start to check out. There is no plot to this movie. So yeah. I think in, a, in, in that sense, we could have taken – 12 more tangents yeah. to talk about I, I, whatever. Well, yeah, I don't and know. It's, it barely scratches the surface of the book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now let's go back to character. Yeah. So we, we talk Begbie, Spud. Now talk Sick Boy. Really quick. This is not very important, but like I did not know that his name, his name was Simon until the sequel. Yeah. No idea. I think they say it once in in the first movie. I, Maybe. I, I totally missed that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only the only cast member, I think, that wasn't Scottish. Yes. But he did a Sean Connery impression yeah, in the audition and impressed everybody, so he got it. And his Sean Connery talk... The way he breaks down the Connery movies in the Bond franchise yeah. as a Bond fan is fucking perfect. And I also love it's it's totally misogynist, put me on blast, whatever. The way he talks about the Bond girls, yeah. like Ursula Andress being this huge sex symbol, like completely unattainable, but she fucks Sean Connery, so if she fucks one of us from Edinburgh, she fucked the fucking lot of us. <laughs> and then how Pussy Galore's name is a total fucking misnomer because I wouldn't touch her with yours. <laughs> It's it's awful, but it's funny. Come no, on, and that's I, again like I'm talking about fictional characters. So well, fuck off, fictional characters, but also this idea that like that we should cancel something because of of the of what somebody said. It's like here's the thing though: when it comes to movies and TV shows, there are there are people in the world who are shitbirds, and uh, shitbirds will do and say things that you wouldn't do or say. Yeah, and it's not like. Not that I not that anybody's trying to cancel train spotting, but like, yeah, people talk like this. Yeah, the flip side is is that the woman that plays Pussy Galore, Honor Blackman, I wouldn't talk about her like that. No, and it's and it's not even like why would I? Uh, yeah, I don't. It's yeah, I just go back to it's a fucking it's a movie. It's, right. It's anyways. So we had a we had a little bit of back and forth about Sean Connery, the movie star, Oops. versus Sean Connery, the actor. Yeah. I bet you loved that conversation that they have when they're sitting in the park, right? Where he's talking about, all I am trying to do, Renton, is to show you that the name of the rose is merely a blip on an otherwise uninterrupted downward trajectory. But what about the untouchables? I don't rate that at all. Despite the Academy Award, it's a fucking sympathy vote. Hey, hey, I love the untouchables. I do love the untouchables. The name of the rose is much fucking better, though. I, I, yeah. In, like, every way. I, look, look. I I, I I don't think that he is bad. I don't think that he's bad. <laughs> How good is that scene in general, though? With, like, his, like, gives you everything you need to know about Sick Boy in one conversation where he's, his unified theory of life, where, you know, you have it, 
and then you don't have it. That's literally the bulk of the entire co- and then listing off people that had it and then didn't have it. <laughs> That's it. That's your theory. Yeah, I you know, Sick Boy is somebody who it, you know what's interesting is that it like in another world because he's clearly when he wants to be it's very determined. Yeah. And and very charming and if well, it's great. We see how much that's failed him in the sequel. Yeah, no, totally for sure. It's just like, yeah, it's it's all these and and you know, outside of Tommy, you know, Sick Boy is the one who you know, if he really could, just like give it up and you know, like, God, what if he left Edinburgh and went to New York and like just like was like, fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to make something of my life. He probably, he probably could have. I don't. I don't know that I go all the way with that. I think if he goes to New York, he becomes an even bigger piece of shit because of the, I don't know. the, the wealth just, of opportunities that New York would give him to sure. be I'd, said bigger piece of shit. I, well, I but I meant like. Here's no, the, I get. I get where could, you're coming from. If, if he, he could, gets out of this, yeah, yeah, if he gets yeah, yeah. out of this world with this circle of friends, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, holy shit, though, I, uh, Tommy, Kevin McKidd, man, I've, I, I have, I have loved Kevin McKidd. Since this, I think he's great. I don't. Again, another under underappreciated actor who unfortunately got himself stuck in Grey's Anatomy, and hopefully, I don't know if he's even still on it or if oh, that I show's never, still going. I never. But I think it. Oh God, I don't know. Who cares? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think he's. I think he's good in the movie, but it's just like of of anybody's story that I'm the most, you know, compelled with or interested in. It's. I, I think just watching. How bad it goes. Well, because everybody else is a piece of shit when you meet them. You watch him just lose it all. And when he comes back to the apartment and you see it stripped to the fucking wallpaper. Yeah. And the story of the the cat and Uh, stuff. The toxoplasmosis. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, It's rough. I love the moment where Renton gives him money for it. He's like, sub me in, mate. I'm expecting a rent check. And Renton's hesitation. But then when he gives him the money, that look, the look on Hugh McGregor's face fucking kills me. And how happy Tommy is to get yeah. his 20 bucks. Yeah. yeah I, I can't, here's the deal. I can't pick an unsung hero. I just can't. I don't know. I as don't far know as like if... the performers go, every, everybody is great. Yeah. Um, My, you know, I actually went with, uh, I went with Cave Quinn and Tracy Gallagher. They were the production and art designers. Uh, That's a great choice. For, I, for behind the scenes, I'd probably go the sound designers. The sound design in the in the detox scene, yeah, is stunningly good. It's I. It's for moments like well, like kind of re, you know the whole idea of like recreating the Clockwork Orange thing was just of course I oh, thought great. was was great. But like it's actually like the the way that like Tommy's apartment looks when when they go back and, and the, the work in, in Renton's room as he's going through all of the detox stuff. And um, it, it's, you know, in a movie like this, I think it'd be easy to go with like editing and, and editing is great. I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to knock against it, but like, you know, I feel like a very, like a contemporary movie like this, maybe you wouldn't think of giving a shout out to the production design team. Uh, but I, I really liked what they did. Like it was not a lot, but the little things that they did, worked really well for the movie yeah like Renton's room is great like I said I think one of my favorite and of course I'm biased because of how much I love this movie the, the toilet set is fucking incredible oh yeah oh yeah that is a stunning piece of production design just it's just chocolate yeah it, they're yeah. all good but still oh yeah no no that's but still the, the when he's like the POV shot where it's on his hand it's still every time it, I kind of <laughs> <laughs> 
and the and cutting the toilet in half and then having the slide it's i think it's all slightly larger toilet so there's some forced perspective going yeah. on in there and, yeah. yeah that's uh, yeah it's uh, it's great that's fantastic. for years danny boyle refused to say how he did it and i think it came out like a produ- one of the production team did like leak it or something he's one of those like production secrets that he wanted to take to his grave i get that but yeah <laughs> oh man oh you and mcgregor's penis oh yes that's what a segue <laughs> so of course the nightmare scenario of going home with someone underage right i mean it is the cross I, again you talked about editing i love the cross cutting between how badly how different everybody's night is going yeah and of, of, of how badly all the nights can go i think ewan mcgregor's almost goes the worst even though he was is the one that scores if you want to use that particular nomenclature yeah, yeah. Uh, but the scene where he's in the hallway and in silhouette, I talk about glorifying heroin all you want and, you know, continue to be wrong. This film also promotes safe sex. I have never seen another film. That's not true. I probably have. <laughs> I've never seen a film as mainstream as this one. I use the term mainstream loosely, where you see a character actually remove a condom. Put one on or remove one. Sure. So I'm all for it, man. Yeah. I, and for people that moan that there aren't enough, there isn't enough male nudity in movies, you get two. You get two for the price of one in this film. Yep, there are two dongs. There are two dongs. In and you movie. And you get to see a condom getting taken off. Yep. And the snap, the snap of the condom is a great fucking sound. I, you know, uh, the the idea of, of, of condoms now are just... I don't even remember what that's like. It's been, it's just been so long. I, it, it's, I mean, I don't know. So that's, this is where we're going. I, it, well, I'm just dropping some, yeah, some truth here, man. It's yeah, man. been, uh, it's, I, it's been, I can't even remember. <laughs> Clearly t- two kids ago, at least. Yeah. But anyway, that, that was my hot take, is that train spotting doesn't glorify heroin use. It promotes safe sex. I like that. That's great. That's a hot take and like a, a more you know kind of moment. Yeah, exactly. Was, yeah, it's I mean, unfortunately, the, the character of Diane is what they say she's 15, which is not good. No, no, of course not. But uh, that's, that is great casting because Kelly McDonald. She's incredible. Is not only great and very like snarky and, and sassy and fun in the movie, but when they when they drop the age, it's like, she she looks really young. Yeah. Like you hear it and like because there are times in other movies where that they, they try to do something similar and it's like, no, no, no. This person's like twenty four. Or like, the way when Toby Maguire did the first Spider Man movie and he was literally thirty. <laughs> sure. And like there are times where it just doesn't it just doesn't work. But when they when they say that she's actually in high school, it's like, Oh fuck. Like I could yeah. I could buy you, you believe it. Yeah. Like it, you're your fucking gut, you know, like your stomach just drops yep. at that moment. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And it, what I love about Kelly McDonald is uh, she had this, this, I guess you would say her breakthrough role here in the States was No Country for Old Men. And, and not a lot of people realize, because she, she does a, like a West Texas accent in that movie. Yeah. And people not realizing, I, I feel like around the time that film came out, a lot of people's minds were blown about how good her accent was and not realizing how like she's got this thick Scottish brogue. And there I am, having known her from this movie, seeing her in No Country from Old Man, going, holy shit, look how far she's coming. That's a fucking great accent. No, it 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 it, it totally is. And sorry if, uh, uh, you know, dear listeners, if you hear me typing... 
Um, I'm just checking because I, I, I obviously knew her from this too. And I just realized the other thing that came out before No Country that I knew her from, which was Gosford Park. Um, but like, yeah, I, I definitely knew before um, No Country that she was, she was Scottish. Um, oh, she's also in Finding Neverland. Okay, yeah, definitely. I definitely saw her in shit before, yeah. before No Country. But yeah, if that was your first intro- introduction to her. You you would have thought otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be like, "Who's this great actress from Texas?" No, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of not a lot of uh, Kelly McDonald love for No Country. I'm, she she's good in for, it. Yeah, she's really good in it. I mean, she I did a, she did a movie the year she did Choke the year after, which she's really good in. I still haven't seen that, but I, I know that you like it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Another great adaptation from another controversial writer. So was the the London sequence really the only? That's really the only negative you. I was I was anticipating quite a few more negative things. I don't know why. No, no, no. I, um, no, I. In a movie that is that is really loosely structured, that is really just based on like small events that kind of build at the end to, to the, the the score but the movie's not really even about the score um that I, I i'm totally with it i i'm with it the whole time and in fact it's it's funny because i know you know you could take you could take the whole idea of like the all the all the pop culture references at the beginning and go well pulp, pulp fiction that did that two years ago but there's the whole thing where we talk about what be, you know begbie and his 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 replicas and like i was like guy Ritchie easily took that oh, and absolutely. ran with it in, in, snatch. in snatch yeah, yeah. and it's, it's how can it be armed robbery with a fucking replica exactly yeah and and it just all of this goes back and obviously pulp fiction is just is just sort of a knockoff of like a, a films from the 70s that that uh tarantino liked or and, godar if you believe that yeah, let's, let's not go down that path again but uh <laughs> but it just, it just reminds me of this phrase that I heard uh, that one of my my movement teacher in grad school said which is that hacks borrow geniuses steal and it's like yeah don't and don't even be coy. But just do it. Like, yeah. it, because it's it is it is maybe the best form of flattery. Yeah, you, you know. So it's like I it doesn't it doesn't bug me that part of it feels like Pulp Fiction dialogue. And obviously, hindsight being what it is now, Guy Ritchie clearly was inspired from this movie too. So it's like cool. It's impossible not we, to be. We were at a point in British film where I don't think British film was being taken seriously. There was no money for British films. I mean, the, the biggest thing that had come out that decade thus far was Four Weddings. Sure. Yeah. And and then you have this this three punch of four weddings, train spotting, and I think the final straw was full Monty of being like, no, 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 no. There's a resurgence in well, British film. And do you know what came out this year as well that was up for Best Picture was Secrets and Lies. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, I'm not sure what people think about that movie, but I mean, in terms of it making like critic critical acclaim. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it it also prompted. We've got this thing in Britain. I don't know if it still is, but the the National Lottery mm-hmm. in Britain funds, it puts funds towards the British film industry. Yeah. And I think what really prompted that is this whole back to back of what, like I said, what happened with Four Weddings, how mm-hmm. that blew up, what happened with what Danny Boyle was doing up in Scotland with with this one two punch of Shallow Grave and uh, and Train Spotting, and then the fact that Full Monty ended up being nominated for Best Picture. Yet that's not a British movie. It is a British movie in the sense that it was made in Britain with a British cast and production and all that the money came from italy because we couldn't get anybody in britain to finance that movie and i think that kicked a lot of people in the ass going why the fuck did we not finance this yeah yeah that why, mean, I, why isn't this one of you know it, it is ours in spirit but it's an italian it's essentially it's an italian movie yeah and we can't let this happen anymore we need to be the force to be reckoned with that we used to be in the in the powell and pressburger days and i think danny boyle is is 
at the spearhead of that movement, getting us back to being respected in the film and in, in the sort of global film industry, whatever. Yeah. No, you know what I'm trying I, to say. I, I yeah. yeah, totally. I totally. So can we do a little more sequel talk? I was very adamant that you see the sequel. You, yes, you were. Because the sequel has honestly become as meaningful to me as as this one, which Sh- I know is batshit crazy to ah, most people. Whatever. I, it's This whole idea of these long gestating sequels not striking when the iron is hot. So I watched Trainspotting for the podcast, and then Liz is like, do you want to... It was already getting pretty late. She's like, do you want to watch it? And it's longer. I mean, the, the is. sequel is like two hours yep. almost on the nose. Mm-hmm. She's like, do you want to watch the sequel? I was like, ah, no, it's it's kind of too late. I don't know. She goes off and she does something else. I think she she went and took a shower or something like that. And by the time she got back out, I was, I was already watching the sequel. Because <laughs> I, I can't imagine the two films not together anymore. Sure. I, I think it, 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 makes, it makes so much sense just to go from one into the other and revisit this world. There's so... Like I said to you earlier in the, in the episode, there was so much of it that felt like going home. Yeah. And, and being reconnected with these people and so many great tips of the hat to people that are fans of, of the original. I'll tell you the scene that which really kind of broke me up is when he comes home the first time and his dad is like, his, his mom has, has died. Yeah. She, like, she was always hoping and her shadow is oh, on the wall. Yeah, that's... How fucking good is that? That was good. I, like, yes. Really good. Like James, Cut, there's not, that's, that is my biggest complaint about the sequel is like, I, you, don't, you don't need it but there's definitely not enough James Cosmo in it. Yeah. I I do I, I don't know where you'd find room for him, but Yeah. I also love the little cheeky bit of um he goes to the bedroom and like you hear like a microsecond. Yes, of- that this is exactly what I wanted to get to because I I'm, I'm not trying to inject myself or make some sort of grandiose mystique about myself, but there have been moments and songs in my life the, the reason the sequel hit me so fucking hard is that scene in particular goes into his bedroom he finds this record the song which is i think lust for life is now synonymous with with train spotting i cannot hear that song without thinking of of the movie yeah i agree i was listening to it on the way fucking over to get myself psyched up (laughs) for this discussion and the fact that he can't he can't listen to it he's at a point at the beginning of the movie where he can't listen to it he drops the needle he hears that very first beat and he has to rip it off because he he's he can't go back there yet Mm mm-hmm and we're denied, we're denied lust for life all the way through the movie up until the very end. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cheeky and it's kind of cheap, but it fucking works. Yeah. It, it, and it's the only thing, like, and I don't know who would do this, but like, if you, if you didn't, if you hadn't seen the first one, or if you're very unfamiliar with the first one, none of that's going to hit you. None yeah. of that's going to make a lot of sense. That is... And then I don't. I by no means think that T two is like a fan service movie, but um, I mean, there's there's enough of it in no, there. Sure, but I also think it's like it. It's also it's the kind of movie that if you have even like if you are more than seventy percent in favor of the movie Train Spotting, what happens in T two is going to register. It, yeah. It's going which to is, land. which is why I'm saying like I'm not trying to whatever. But I there have been moments in my life like that. Like there there are songs from my youth from my past i just flat out can't listen to them because i can't go back to that place sure and i'm sure that plenty of people feel like that yeah yeah for one reason or another yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean the, the sequel is just it's a perfect sequel 
It's crazy. I'm fu- I don't give a shit. It's perfect. I, I, do it. Do it. Tell, tell me some things you don't like about the sequel. I, I, I don't... Oh, man. It's not that I don't like it. I just, you know, I don't I don't know. I think it it feels a bit more um, the idea of like trying to get I forget what the girl's name is um, that we that's there for like. the ride. Oh, Who, Simon's the yeah. sort of like, yeah, her his it, what's what's the word for her, the, her, his his heel. Is that how they would what the term that they would use for her in, I, in I'm stage? Not, I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. But like but. You know, like the the idea of like, oh, she's she's helping Spud get through, and Spud helps her get the money act the 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 money for the loan. Yeah, it actually gets like it feels it feels a bit like a, a Hollywood injection of trying to get like a it it's the most um un uh, what am I trying to say? Well, so here's this, not to cut you off, where but we're talking about the lack of plot in the first movie. Is there too much plot in the second one? I, no, I don't. I don't think that's true. I think, I, I mean, there is more of a plot in, in the in the second one. It just feels a bit too candy coated. That the stuff with her towards the end, like here's here's the money because you deserve it or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like and, and, I'm not and they she and they don't. But, yeah. that, that's why it works is because they have it where they they temporarily have it and they don't deserve it, so it gets yeah. taken away. I I don't I don't know it. It just doesn't. I, maybe it's because. Like train, I, I know it's so weird. I I really love train spotting, but it's not. I didn't need it. I think maybe that's where it is. And I think just this idea that like I would have been fine if this movie didn't exist. But but you know, coming from you, this was a movie that you like. You didn't know that you needed, or maybe you did know that you needed. I don't know. But like, no, I've been waiting a decade <laughs> for this fucking movie. Well, then there you go. Again, I, it is not a bad movie. I just it doesn't it doesn't live up to that esteem no. for me. It's no. but it's not a bad. I mean, we, I mean, again, like. It, it's funny when it needs to be. The scene it's where Spud, where Spud and Renton are reunited. I mean, it's a bit easy where he he rescues he rescues him from his suicide attempt. But when he throws up in the bag, oh god, how Jesus good is that? Christ. It's so good. Oh god, you didn't save my life. You ruined my suicide. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, you ruined my life, and now you're ruining my death. <laughs> Oh, I love it so much. But that's what I, it is. I, I, I am not sitting here saying that T2 is a bad movie. It just does not live yeah. in that, in that upper echelon. That well, it here we go. In the it, 2017 was, if nothing else, the year of like long gestating sequels. We didn't know we needed. We had at the beginning of the year, we had T2 and towards the end of the year, we had Blade Runner 2049. Oh, that's, that's yeah. That's so true. of the two of them, which way are you going? Oh, I, do I need? I don't want to. Um, I don't know how to answer this question. You don't like twenty forty nine, do you? I, I and that's okay. You think, don't have to. I think that the Blade Runner films are highly overrated. And you say that knowing that like Blade Runner is my second favorite film of I, all time. I do, I do, and and I know, I know that, and I I I've I've watched it. I've watched Blade Runner twice. And 2049. Once. Yeah. Not in theaters. Um, I need to do both again. I, I know I need to do this. So if, if asking me now, <laughs> 2049 or T2, I, I would pick T2. And so honestly, so would I. But uh, but they're, they're now, they're, again, sequels that I didn't know that I need. And they feel so, they did such a good job of, of just, like you mentioned, just enough fan service while also 
you know, I think they do enough of their own thing to justify their existences that I can't imagine doing train spotting without doing train spotting too immediately after. And several times now, I think I've done it three or four times, I've put Blade Runner on and then I immediately have to go into 2049. I like it's almost impulse. Well, and and again, I I I saw Blade Runner once I don't, a long time ago. And then when I when when I when it was announced, when I heard that 2049 was going to be a thing, I I I can't say that I watched it like right before I went saw it in theaters, but like within the week. Yeah, like I watched yeah. it and then I knew it was coming out and then we saw it. So it the connection would be clearer for me. Um I do believe that whenever the next time it is that I go, that I choose to watch Blade Runner, whether it's for the pod or something else, like the idea for me would be to then immediately put on 24. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd have to make a night of it. I mean, as you do. So we've talked a lot about a- a- everything with this movie. And, um, there, and there's so much more. And there really is. I'm uh, sorry. I could, we could sit here all fucking night I, and not be done with train spotting, exactly, but we need to, we need exactly, to find a, a place exactly. to be done. Um, so any, any, any final thoughts on train spotting? I don't know. If you haven't seen train spotting, fucking watch it. Choose, yeah. choose life. Choose life. Yep. Um, so I, I get to just do this because it's, it's the, it's the premise of the show. So let me get it out before, before you stop me. Should train spotting be in the book? What do I look like? I've cunt written on my forehead. I didn't say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to see if I could get one more in. I knew this was the show that was going to feature. No, let's not do that. That's fine. <laughs> no, it's, that's great. That's great. I'm I'm assuming the answer is yes. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I agree. I totally agree. Um, you know, and it's it is kind of, you know, and you know, usually I do this at at the end of the episode, but you know, the movie that we're talking about next week is an older. It's a 1940 film. It's a noir, and not even about that movie, but it's just. The book is so back heavy. It's so it's so heavy from films from the the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and and not that they don't deserve to be in there, but you know, film is ever evolving and there are so many movies that have come out in the last 30 years. And maybe we're just more partial to them because this is when we've been growing up. These are the films that maybe we click with more. I don't I don't know. It does seem crazy that Danny Boyle only has one film in the book. It is nuts. Um and uh, it, so he's a pioneer. Like 28 Days Later is was shot on like handheld DV shit before anybody else was doing that shit outside of like he I think he brought in uh, was it Anthony Anthony Dodd Mantle? I can't remember the name of his cinematographer that he works. That with. sounds like, right. Yeah. Anthony he brought in him to, to work to work on 28 Days Later because of what they were doing. You know, with like the Lars von Trier guys, the Dogma '95 guys, yeah. like they were the only ones that were doing films with that kind of aesthetic, and he brought that to some mainstream features. Yeah. Um. So I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely yes for me, and and you know, in another world, he would still have. I mean, and, and I know Slumdog isn't on your Rushmore, but in another in another world, he would have. He would have something else in the book. Uh, well, I, I made a pretty strong case at the end of our Halloween episode for 28 Days Later going in. Yeah, I, I mean... And 28 Days Later should be in the fucking book. I mean, at very least, we agree that that and uh, Steve Jobs Steve should, Jobs should be in the book. magnificent. Um, but what we're here, we're with Train Spotting, and we both think that it should be in the book. However, we always want to know 
what you think of Train Spotting and if you think it should be in the book. So please find us on Facebook and on Twitter and let us know what do you think about Train Spotting? What do you think about Danny Boyle? Is, does he has he gotten the recognition that he deserves? Uh, you can um, listen to the show on Spotify and Stitcher, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts, and all of those other places that you listen to podcasts. Um, and st- stay tuned next week for a return to the world of noir. Uh, but until then, I am Adam. And I am Ian. And we will see you next week. Bye.